All right, tonight, take your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's very easy to find. It's right behind 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. All right, I'm going to go easy on you tonight. I'm going to go very, I'm afraid I'm too rough on y'all sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm going to go very easy on you tonight. We're going to talk about whiners or shiners. Whiners or shiners. We're going to be whiners or we're going to be shiners. 2 Timothy chapter 3. All righty. While you find out, let me mention, we start praying down front again tonight. Uh, <clears throat> people just need to pray. My house should be called a house of prayer. So if you've got a need in your life, there's something wrong in your family or something wrong with you, or just come down here. These guys, all of them, they know how to pray. They'll pray with you. They'll love you and pray for you. And just bring it to Jesus. We're going to do that. Also, let me remind you, Saturday is a big day of living free. I think you got a note from me this week. Things have changed. Fun day still at the farm, but the dinner and the auction is going to be over at Hall River. It's going to be a great time. And the dinner starts at 6, and then the auction will be right after. It's just a great time. A lot of stuff out there to bless folks with, and this is a great ministry. I want to help those guys. That auction's a lot of fun because it gets sort of intense, and people, I'm in there, so they got to act like a Christian. They know I'm watching, but it gets a little intense in there, and I just go to them and say, run it on up. Make, make it rougher on them in there. So we'll have a big time. Bring your friends. Come on out. We'll just enjoy that. All righty. Whiners or shiners. I'm going to address something that's become a problem in America and in, in Christian circles and all around today. And uh, we, we just go, we go, I'm old. Boom. We're going to go with it tonight. Bless you, dear heart. I'm going to go a word from the father for you tonight concerning what's coming in the land and how we're going to respond to it. And uh, I'm watching Christians mad and fuss and whine and carry on. Believers shouldn't be whiners. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Well, I got one amen out of that. Believers shouldn't be whiners. They should be shiners. All right, let's, we're going to lay foundation in scripture here. All right, let me make an announcement concerning people. So I hope, hope things get straightened out. Look right here. Things are not going to get straightened out on this earth until the Prince of Peace comes back and makes them right. You got it? I mean, you, welcome to the new normal. And it's going to get more Abbey normal until Jesus gets back. And I'm going to show you that from scripture. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this. The Bible says this, 2 Timothy 3, 1, know this. Dear ones, if your father tells you to know this and wrote it in the Bible, you need to know this. Now, look, everybody look at me right here. You really need to lay hold of what he's fixing to say. You need to know this. I'm watching people shocked at what's going on in the culture today. He told you it's coming. He told you it was coming. You should know this. Know this, that in the what? What days? Last days. How many of you know there's some things called the last days? This earth was not created to last forever. We'll look at it in a minute. Second Peter chapter three said this earth is a temporary earth. It is reserved for fire and it's going to be burned up. A lot of people talk about global warming. I promise you it's coming. <laughs> global warming is coming. We're going to light this thing up. It's going to be dissolved. This is a temporary earth. There's something called the latter days or last days. Jesus talked extensively about it. He gave 10 major signs of what culture would be like in the last days. This is Matthew 24, if you want to read it sometime. And it reads like today's headlines. It reads like today's headlines. All right. And he said this in the last days. See if you agree with the Bible here. In the last days, perilous or stressful times will come. Anybody heard of any stress? in the area in the last few years. Stress has become the number one topic in, in writing right now. The stress people, what did the Bible say? In the last days, it's going to be very stressful. Stress is going to be in the land. And then he says this. Now, I'm going to tell you why it's going to be so stressful. It's going to be stressful for this reason, human attitudes. 
people's attitudes and the way people act are going to make for some very stressful times. I'm having to know if somebody gets ugly in your house, it can make for stress in the house. All right. He, he's going to, and then he says, let me tell you what people are going to act like in the latter days. And this is why it's going to be so stressful. And he goes right down the list. See if this don't look like a country near you. Know this. In the latter days, stressful times will come for people will be lovers of themselves. What do you call that? Selfish and self-centered. Lovers of money. What do you call that? Greedy. All right. When your culture embraces where everybody's selfish, it's all about me. And they get very greedy wanting somebody else's money and come up with an excuse for it. What happens in a culture? Stressful. Makes for stressful, tense times. People turn against one another. Well, the Bible said this is going to be the heart of people. We're not going to hit on all of these. Uh, it talks about uh, they're going to be proud, <laughs> disobedient to parents. That's happened in my lifetimes. Lifetime since we've reversed the curse. We put the inmates in charge of the jail and it's not working out well. Are you with me? All right. <clears throat> Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. What's, what's our word today? Cancel culture. Cancel culture is unforgiving. And you know, it goes right on down the list without self-control. My goodness, brutal. And look at the last one in verse three, despisers of good. It's one thing not to want to do good. It's another thing to start hating people because they want to do good. What did the Bible say right there? This is going to be the spirit of the age. This is how people, can you see how you could have a stressful culture if the kids hated their parents and people were arrogant and fighting and then they started hating what's good? And uh, I, I put it all in one word, but I had to change the word. I thought it'd be a little firm to say in church. So I'm just going to use the word not head. <laughs> Time's going to be tough because people are going to be not head. Well, actually I was going to say jackasses, but that wouldn't have gone over good in church. <laughs> But people are going to act like knotheads in the latter days. And you say, well, it's happening where I live. What did he say was coming? Know this. This is what culture is going to be like. Now, all right, I hear this all the time talking about how rough it's gotten and how bad it is, how people are acting like idiots. And I hear that from people all the time. That's, that's not the question. It's going to happen. God said it's going to happen. And let me, let me bless you. It's going to get worse. Darkness is going to cover this earth. Deep darkness, the people. The question is not are people going to act like knotheads. That's not the big question. What's the big question in the culture like this? How am I going to act? The big question is not what are people going to do. He'll tell you what people are going to do. The real question is what am I going to do? Why don't you turn with me? Let's look at that Second Peter chapter 3. This is where it predicted global warming. Second Peter 3. I, I love the Bible. I'm telling you, the news is just catching up with the Bible. We're living in days where you can read the headlines in the Bible. And so much in there, but I love 2 Peter chapter 3 is where it talks about uh, the latter days. Again, like, over and over the Bible talks about last days, last days. I was reading a science article of it and it said, if we don't act quickly in another 200 years, we're going to struggle to sustain life. <laughs> another 200 years, I'm going to be singing in the presence of Jesus. I think we all are one way or the other if we're going to heaven. He said, life's unsustainable on the planet for 200 years. I thought, I was thinking more like 18 to 20, Doc. <laughs> All right. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says this, verse 3, 2 Peter 3, 3, know this. You ever notice how the Bible's always telling you you ought to know something? Why y'all got, listen to me. Why do you think he gave you the Bible? So you could know some things, right? Know this. First, scoffers will come in the what? Last days. How many of you used the word scoffer? Maybe you'll use that term a lot. Well, we don't use the word scoffer. What's our word? Smart aleck. Smart aleck. Scoffer's a smart aleck. 
any smart Alex in the land you know of, what he said is going to happen. In the last days, there's going to be a bunch of smart Alex in the land and uh, so forth and so on, all this stuff. Watch this, living according to the Bible, living according to their lusts. Last days, what's going to happen? I right, know. watch this, verse 10. The day of the Lord's going to come as a thief in the night. The heavens are going to pass away with a great noise. The elements are going to melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works in it will be burned up. I wrote in my Bible, global warming, right beside that, right there. What does the Bible say is going to happen? There's going to be something called last days. Jesus is going to come back to the earth. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to this earth? It's going to fry. It's going to burn up. And the works that are in it are going to burn up. Right, now that there was, you need to know, the Bible said you need to know what's going to happen in the earth. <clears throat> so it's just terrible. It's terrible. No, that's, that's not the right answer. Read the next verse with me. Therefore, since all these things will be, folks, these things are going to happen. Here's the big question. What manner of person ought you to be? What's the big question? If life is going to get crazy on this planet and people are going to act like that, we got all this mess going on. The real question is not what's going to happen. He's told you. The real question is, what am I going to do? What am I going to act like? Well, I think we're missing it. I know what the culture is going to do. The question is, what are believers supposed to be doing? Well, let me tell you what I'm hearing. Believers are sitting around whining because things are bad. He told you it's coming. People sitting around shocked and talking about how bad it is. It's going to get worse, Bubba. I'm not supposed to be a what? Thermometer. Tell me what a thermometer does. It reads the temperature in the room. And I got too many believers, too many preachers acting like thermometers. Have you heard what's going on? And I say, no, and I don't want to hear it. What am I supposed to be doing in these days? All right, listen, you, you can either whine and moan and carry on about how rotten it is, or you can get you some bottled water and some tuna fish, move to Montana and get you a few little old Christians and hide till Jesus gets back. I didn't, that's not right either. Tell me what, I wonder if I was born at the wrong time. Wish I'd have lived in the 1800s and folks had some sense. You couldn't have made it when there was outhouses. <laughs> Get up in the middle of a cold night, go park your fanny on a... You'd have never made it. <laughs> Let me tell you something about where you're at right now. That book says right there in the book of Acts, he determined the day you'd be born, the place... You're here for such a time as this. He put you in this earth for such a time as this. And if you're a believer, you have a mission on this earth in the midst of a mess. And it's not to whine. Jennifer, you, you have to say amen. amen. Thank you, got one. It's not to whine. And it's not to hide and talk about how bad it is till Jesus gets back. Right. Tell me what I'm in this earth for. Let's look it up. All right. As somebody said the other day, they said, just a bunch of perverts everywhere. I said, you're in the right place. Right where you, if you're surrounded by perverts, you're where you're supposed to be. You don't believe that, do you? Turn me to Philippians chapter two. Let's look at the perverts, Philippians chapter two. You say, believers got no business being around perverts. God wants you right in the middle of them. Yeah. We're fixing to read it. Philippians chapter two. All right, Philippians chapter two is where we begin to, you know, I, we got to stand for the Lord. You say, okay, you told me it's going to be like this. Uh, I've seen it change in my lifetime. Culture's deteriorating. Now, what do you want me to do? Do you, do you want me to just be mad because I'm here? Or do, you, do you want me to whine and moan? Do you want me to go hide? Tell me what you want me doing in these days. If these, manners, these things shall be, how then shall we live? What manner of person should I be? A great thinker named Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called How Then Shall We Live? And the question is, what does he want me doing? Well, the answer is in Philippians chapter two. I love this right here, where it talks about being like Jesus. Now watch this. 
Philippians 2.13, God is working in you. He did not make a mistake by putting you in the earth right now. How many of you believe that? He said, Brother Brian, I don't feel like God even knows my name. I don't care what I feel like. That book right there says God's working in you. God's working in you. And he's going to tell you what he's doing. He's working in you to will and work for his good pleasure. There's something he wants you doing on this earth. You are not here to eat cheeseburgers and burp till Jesus gets back. If you're still breathing, if you're a believer and you know Jesus, you're on this planet, you have a mission on the planet. And he's going to show it to you. God's working in you for that mission. Here it is. All right, verse 14. Do all things without... What's another good word for complaining? Whining. Whining. What do you say? Zero whining. God's working in you to bring you a place of zero whining. Everybody say zero whining. Zero whining. That sounded good. We need, to keep, we need to keep thinking about that. God's working in me to get the whining out of me. Can you see it? No whining, no complaining, uh, no disputing. Verse 15, God's working in me to get the whining out. Verse 15, that I may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. Watch these words. In the middle. What's middle mean? If there's four people and I'm in the middle, where am I at? Right smack dab in the center of them. In the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. See the word perverse? That's where we get our word perverted. Do you know what a pervert is? I'm not talking about a dirty old man that stares at little girls on the playground, although that is a pervert. Her daddy needs to go see him. Um, pervert means not straight. The Greek word pervert means not straight. All right, so if you take a say a piece of pipe or a wire, it's like that, and you do that to it, it is now perverted. It's not straight. Anything that is not straight in line with the truth of God is perverted. What the Bible say? We're going to live in a perverted culture that is twisted truth, twisted the ways of God. And tell me what God's doing in my life. He put me smack dab right in the middle of them. Tell me where believers belong. Hold up in a church away from this dirty old world. You belong right smack dab in the middle of it. A lady was, she was moaning to me. She called it a prayer request. I know the difference between a prayer request and moaning. And she was moaning. She said, my husband's family is all idiots. I married into a whole bunch of idiots. I said, God's working in you. He needs to work on you a little bit, but he's working in you. I said, just think he gave you all them fools all by yourself. He must think a lot of you. How do you know God didn't put you amongst them fools? So we got this Christian mindset that I need to stay away from that dirty old world. What's that book say right there? God's working in you to get you right in the middle of a bunch of perverts. He wants you right smack dab in the middle. Amen. I'll get in there and I'll tell them I'll go to hell if they don't straighten up. Wait a minute. We got to read the rest of it. That's not why he puts you in the middle of people. All right, let's read it. This is, I want you to zero in on this verse, 15. Let's read it again. You may become blameless and harmless. That means no whining. Children of God without fault in the middle of a crooked, perverted generation among whom you shine. Does it say whine or shine? shine. It says shine as lights in the world. There's a call on your life right there. Amen. Seeing how that this world's going to go crazy and people are going to lose their minds, what manner of person should we be? Lights right smack dab in the middle of them. If you're looking for a job, don't look for a job that pays a lot. Go ask them. Say, you got a bunch of perverts work here. Hire me. That's where I want to be. Why are believers running from perverts? What does the Bible say? I want you right in the middle of them. God is working to get you in the middle of those people. We got to change our minds. His will is not my comfort. Ooh, come on. That's good. That's real good. 
I stole it. His will is not my comfort. His will is his glory. His will is the well-being of people. Let me make an announcement. I was perverted at one time. That means lost. I was lost as a ball in high weeds. What if every believer on the planet said, stay away from him, don't tell him nothing. It took a man who had something to do to come out there and talk to me and tell me, son, you can act like that if you want to, but Jesus cares about you. He shined in front of me instead of whining about me. That's good too. We got to get this thing about it. It's all about me having it easy. I'm going to get me a bunch of Christian friends. We're going to sit down there at Wendy's and we're going to eat our little spoons. We got, that's not right. God is working in to get you in the middle of a bunch of perverts so you can whine, shine. Let your light so shine. That's what he's trying to do. The Bible says he's putting me right in the middle of them to shine. The scripture says this, as lights in the world. We've got to quit thinking about doctrine and start thinking about lights. All right, this Bible talks a lot about light. And he wants you right in the middle of a bunch of perverts, a mess, a goofed up place so you can shine. A lot of people have criticized uh, the street ministers who go in and out of places. Arthur Blessed, probably the greatest one ever. And he'd go to Bourbon Street, chaplain of Bourbon Street. You remember him got in trouble. And people, and Arthur, people just go in these honky-tonks and saloons. I had a, one of my associate pastors, he, he ran a little chapel right on Bourbon Street at one time. Adopted a son of a prostitute down there, brought him home when he moved back up here to North Carolina. And people criticized these folks, said, well, you shouldn't be in them places. What's this book say? That's where you belong in there. Arthur Blessed went up to a strip joint one time, asked the manager, can I preach to you girls? He said, yeah, hang on a minute. I'll let you preach to him. So he went in there. That was before they opened the girls way, but the customers weren't in yet. I, I can't believe I'm telling this in church. I'm fixing to get Friday. But you know what? If you've already started, you might as well finish, hadn't you? So the guy went in and had the girls take their shirts off. Strip joint, take your shirts off. He wants to come preach to you. Arthur went in there and preached to every one of them, one of them out to Jesus, give them 24 stickers. 12 girls, 24 stickers. Truth, read it. It's Truth running from places like that. You ought to be living in places like that. But get this mindset of, we got to stay away from them nasty people. God wants you in the middle of them nasty people. We shine as lights in the world. All right, you got this. Philippians chapter two teaches me that my place in a perverted society, God's working in me to get me right in the middle of them. How many believe he places you in places like that? I don't want you to look where he places you. Turn to strategic. Turn me to Matthew chapter five. Let me show you why you're living where you are. Why you work where you do. Why you, well, I can't tell you why you're married, who you married. I can't understand that myself. Some of you ain't figured that out. But you have got to learn to see the hand of God in your life. You got to learn to see him sending you places, going places. Every, you just need to start your day and say, thank you, order my steps. You got to believe that if you decide to go to grocery store, he might've been in that. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a store and turn the corner and somebody see me and start crying. And I mean, not because I'm ugly or because I'm mean. I've had no few times where I've turned a corner and a lady start crying and say, I just told God this morning, if I could just talk to that man, he'd help me. And here you are in the Piggly Wiggly. I spoke with a girl today, asked her to do something, to do some writing for us. She started crying. She said, I got your note last week. She said, the night before I got your note, I told God, said, please, I want to use my gift of writing to serve you. The next day I get a note in the mail that says, could you help us write something? Mm, come on. You've got to learn this. And you say, well, that's you're the preacher. I don't mean squat. You're a born again child of the living God. His hand's on you. Yes. Listen to me. You've got to learn to see the hand of God in your life. And this is where he shows it to you. All right. Matthew 5, 14 says this. 
You are the light of the world. Man, what a statement. Dear, you, you could chew on that for the rest of your life. Actually, we reflect the light of the world. We're light carriers, barriers. All right, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I want to make an announcement. You can't hide Jesus. Somebody gets Jesus inside of them, you can't hide it. You can fight it, but you can't hide it. Now, if you've got religion, please do hide it. I've had all you I can take. But a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Watch verse 15. Nobody lights a lamp. Now, this is the key verse. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. He did not put Jesus in you to hide you somewhere. Now, my wife brings lamps home. Apparently, we have a vision problem in our house because we get more lamps all the time. She brings lamps home. She don't hand them to me and say, go put them in the barn so nobody can see nothing. Are you with me? Guess what she does with them? She puts them in the best place possible to give light. I'm over your head here. I watch what he said. You don't buy a lamp or light a lamp. Nobody lights a lamp, puts it on a basket, but on a what? Lamp stand. stand. What's that called? Strategic placement. Mm -hmm. God's got his hand on your life. He has placed you somewhere for a purpose strategically. You say, well, we moved in this neighborhood because I like the house. How do you know he wasn't in it? How do you know he didn't put you in there as a lampstand place? You say, well, I'm I'm working in this place because they pay good. How do you know he didn't put you in there? You meet people. You're in, how how do you know you're not in the family you're in? Because God, well, surely he put you in there. Put you in, can't you see the word the Bible says? God places people in life strategically as a light. And he puts people there. And uh, the the Bible says, I love verse 15, as a light to what? All who are in the house. Tell me what my job is in the middle of a perverted, crazy generation. What am I supposed to do? My job is to influence people. Influence people. Listen to me. There's there's two pictures here. Jesus talked about his people influencing people. He said, well, I don't speak very well. You don't have to open your mouth to influence people. Amen. Anybody in the back? Y'all hear me back there? Can y'all hear? Okay, good. I'm going to check. You don't, you don't have to preach to influence. Matter of fact, some of the preaching I hear de-influences people. Are you with me? And he painted another picture in verse 14 where he said this, 13, you're the salt of the earth. You're supposed to influence this earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, what's it good for? People trample it underfoot. What's happening to the church in America today? They're being trampled underfoot. It's not because evil's bad. It's because the church has lost its power. It's lost its effect. It's lost its flavor. But he said, you're the light of the world. I'm going to place you somewhere and you're going to give light to all in the house. All right, I, you, you've heard verse 16. I'm sure let's read it. Verse 16. Let your light so whine before men. Are we supposed to be shining in front of people or whining in front of people? Golly. How could he make it any clearer? What does he want you to do? He wants you to go to work, go to the ball game, go to the grocery store, Go to wherever it is you go to and stand there and just glow in the dark. You don't need to stand up on the desk and say, listen to me, boss, say it, Paul, Lord, don't start that mess. I'll throw you, fire you. Then you'll be wanting help from us down here. Don't start that junk. Shine is not fuss. Amen. Shine is not, shine is shine. All right, let me show you how you say, well, how do I know whether I'm shining or fussing? Oh, it's real easy. Read the Bible. Let your light so shine before men, they will see What? Not Jesus, you. So, well, it's just Christ in me. Well, somebody got to carry him over there. They'll see Jesus in you, your good works, and they will glorify God in heaven. It will have a positive influence on them. You say, well, I preach at work and nobody listens. They run. Something ain't right, Bubba. 
If you try to help, if you try to show Jesus at work and they run when they see you coming, something ain't right. What does the Bible say? Let your light so shine they'll see your good works and they will start liking God, not running from Him. Can you not see where our lives should just simply cause people to say, God's good. There's got to be something to this God stuff. Look at Him. There's got to be something to it, whatever it is. Then we say, listen to me. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Can you see clearly in that passage, God put His Spirit inside of you. All right, listen to me. Well, you're staring right at me. I don't know why I keep saying, listen to me. What's the only reason He would leave you on this earth after you're saved? It's not to make you pay for your sins. It's not to make you pay for heaven. It can't be but one reason to be left on this earth. What is it? I got to have some influence in people's lives. We're on this planet to influence people. Listen, we need to change our minds. It's not about how comfortable I am. It's about influence. It's about influence. So I don't know if I can touch a thousand people. That's not your business. How many you influence is not your business. That's his business. To some he gives five, some he gives two, some he gives one. Eddie Middleton, my buddy from New Song. One of the greatest songs they ever wrote called Light Your World. Let the love of God shine through. In the little things you do, light your world. And though your light may be touching only two or three, light your world. Well, listen, I remember when believers were the light of the world. And when I first became a believer, there was a lot of emphasis on influencing people, witnessing, helping other people. And now Christianity has turned so inward that it's all about me being more comfortable on the way to glory. This ain't the good ship lollipop moose. This is the old ship of Zion. Have you forgotten it's a battleship, not a cruise ship? Get your, get your bathing suit off and get your helmet on, Doc. Help me, Rhonda, or somebody. <laughs> Strategically placed, it will have an effect. There's no greater joy for a believer than knowing Jesus. Number two has got to be, I'm helping somebody else on this planet. That's it right there. All right, let me just go ahead and stab the dagger right in the heart of a great mistake we've made. We put so much emphasis on learning and knowledge instead of shining and glowing. And knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. I know, I see people that are having another study. Do you not know enough now? My, you know more than the apostles knew. The goal is not to study more. The goal of our instruction, 2 Timothy, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a powerful faith. The goal is you don't pour oil in a lamp so it can know how to eat it. You pour oil in a lamp so it can shine. This is good. All right. <laughs> Turn with me. I, we got to, had to bear down just a little bit. All right, light. What is light? You think of light. We're not talking about a Christian bumper sticker. We're not talking about aggravating people and telling them, did you know you're going to hell? What does the Bible call light? What's the other word for light in the Bible? What is it? It's my new fruit. Abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Turn one page, Matthew chapter seven. We're fixing to have some fun here. Matthew chapter seven. I've heard people say, now you shouldn't judge me. Jesus told me to judge you. And let me tell you what else he told the world to do. It looks to me like in Matthew five, he told the world to judge you, didn't it? He said, I'm going to put them right in the middle of you and I want you to look at them and I want you to tell me what you think. I may believe we should judge people. I'm not talking about judging down on them or condemning them. I'm not talking about that mess. I've got all that I need going on right now. Somebody asked me other day, have you seen what they said about you on social media? And I said, nope, never turned one on, don't care. But if it gets real good, let me know. But the scripture says here in Matthew 7, 
I'm sure. Matthew chapter 7, I want you to look with me. In, uh, let's look in verse 16, Matthew 7, 16. You will know them by their fruits. Does that tell me you ought to be able to look at people? All right, now I'm supposed to look at you. I'm supposed to know you by something. Am I supposed to know you by your religious wardrobe? Got one of them backwards collars on and a trash can on your head. You must be a preacher. Is that how I'm supposed to know you? Am I supposed to know you by your bumper sticker? The big Bible you carry? Carry a Bible looks like an index. And a, no, how am I supposed to know you? How am I supposed to judge you and look at you? What's it by? By your fruit. We got to get off knowing people by their education. We got to get off knowing people by what church they're a member of. 52 years right here. We shall not be moved. I noticed. We got to get off that stuff. You know people by their fruits. And he's going to tell you what they are. Let's read them. Matthew, Matthew 7, 16. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from a briar bush? It's a question. What's the answer? No. no. Now I grow figs. You don't get figs off a briar bush. Don't you notice he listed what? Four fruits. And these are the four things you're to judge. He said, you'll judge them by their fruits. And he said, what? Figs, grapes, thorns, briars. Can you see he listed four things? Do you see two categories there? Uh, would you put the grapes and the figs in one category and put the briars and the thorns in another category? That's the people. He said, you'll know people by the, obviously the effect they have on other people. All right, let's, this is real simple. Let's do a review here. Tell me the effect that figs and grapes have on you. They're sweet. They refresh you. They nourish you. Are you with me? Tell me what briars and thorns do to you. They cut you. They hurt you. They wound you. They leave you bleeding. You cut me and hurt me and leave me bleeding. Don't tell me you know Jesus. I'm going to know you by your fruits. It was very good. I'm glad he wrote it. But if you get around me and you're sweet and you refresh me and you encourage me and you nourish me, you know what I'm going to say? That's Jesus right there. I can say. You say, I'm a preacher. I don't give a... I couldn't care less. Good gosh almighty. I don't care what you are. I don't... Listen, I don't care if you're a deacon. James Robinson told me it was one of his crusades. Funnest thing happened. James was preaching to people, come to Jesus. And he said, turn around and ask the person behind you if they want to go to Christ. Said a little 12-year-old boy turned and said, Mr., do you want to go to Jesus? He puffed to me and said, son, I'll have you know I'm a deacon in the Baptist church. <laughs> little boy said, did you not hear him, Mr.? God will forgive any sin if you'll just ask him. Go ahead, go down there. <laughs> he asked for it, didn't he? <laughs> there was. If people get around you and there's a sweetness and a refreshing and a nourishing, they will know you by your fruit. That's the light of the world that's shining. If they get around you and they walk off from you and they're hurting and you done stuck it to them and they're wounded because you talked to them, I'm sorry, Doc, something ain't right. I don't give a flying natural and if your mama owns the church, if you sticking it to people, something ain't right. We can amen that, can't we? All right, you'll know them by their fruits. <clears throat> we won't take time. Well, I, don't, I need, probably ought to take time. Turn with me to Galatians chapter five, just in case you've never seen it before. Let me show you what light is. This is what people are supposed to see in me and you. Because this is, let me tell you what the Bible says. If Jesus is on the inside, this is what they're going to see on the outside. I'm talking about the real Jesus. We got too many Jesuses in the land right now, don't we? He said, Brother Brian, there's not but one. The Bible says there's multiple Jesuses. 
Second Corinthians chapter 10 says this. If somebody comes to you and they preach another Jesus, don't put up with it. You preach a Jesus to me that sticks it to people and hates people and looks down his nose at people because they're not right. I ain't buying it. I want the Jesus of the New Testament who loved sinners and was attractive to sinners and they were drawn to him. All right, Galatians chapter five, the Bible says this. Verse 22, you need to mark this. And matter of fact, you need to memorize this. Galatians 5, 22 says this. The fruit of the spirit, how could we say that better? What you'll see on the outside if the spirit of Jesus is on the inside. The fruit of the spirit is what? Love for people. We sing an old song goes like this. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old, y'all remember that? Is anybody old enough to remember that? Had a verse that says, it makes you want to love everybody. Makes you, listen, they shouldn't put a verse that makes you mean as hell at your, well, that's not right. <laughs> it makes you want to love everybody. When Jesus comes into your heart, you start caring about people. Can I get a witness? Have we gotten away from that old time stuff? Makes you want to love people. There used to be a verse in my hand in there. You get look it up in the old book sometimes. It says, makes the Baptist love the Methodist to make us the, remember that? Baptists don't even like the Baptists. We got that conquered yet. But dear ones, when Jesus comes in, you're going to start caring about people. Now, let me make an announcement. They can tell. Even a dog knows whether you like him or not. People know whether you care about this. We got a fellow, his name's Mr. Everett, runs the uh, Airhead up there, Airhead service station. I love Mr. Everett. And uh, people will, I'll say, you know, Mr. Everett, some of them said, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know about him. If I've ever met a Christian, it's him. He don't preach. He don't fuss. He don't holler. He don't have a cross around his neck. Matter of fact, he's got dirty hands where he works on cars. What is it about them that makes them know that man's a believer? Go up and watch the way he treats people. It's the way he loves and cares about people and treats people. All right, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Don't even try to explain to me why people are so serious in church these days. I think there's this religious thing that says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when the Lord is in the house, there should be joy in the house. Amen. I mean, dear ones, you go to one of these juke joints, these taverns right on a Saturday night, they're laughing and cutting up, singing Margaret. Mar- Mar- they're one heartbeat away from hell. What are they happy about? Wow. I'm the one who ought to be celebrating. I'm going to Jesus. Amen. They just thought I'd throw that in. And you know what peace is? Peace is the opposite of P.O. Peace means you're not upset, you're not bothered. Jesus is running the show, you can relax. This is how we identify people right here. They're patient, kind, good, they're faithful, they're humility, humility, and they're in control. All right, the Bible says we'll know them by the fruits. All righty, let's do one more. Turn to the first Peter chapter three. When people ask you a question, what should you tell them? All right, when people ask you a question, all right, let me show you what the Bible said. This is going to grab some of you right here. The Bible said that if I walk with Jesus, people should be, talking, people should be asking me a question. Mm-hmm. You will see it right here. People should be walking up to you saying, what is it about you? I want you to see it right here in 1 Peter chapter 3. You know, 1 Peter is real close to 2 Peter in the, in the teaching. Because uh, 1 and 2 Peter deal with the latter days a lot. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse, let's put in verse 15. He said this, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. You don't know what that means because you don't know what sanctify means. Let me put it in language you can understand. Put Jesus first. Put Jesus first in your life. Just put him at the center of your heart. Make him first in your life. Put Jesus first in your life or you can say sanctify if you want to. In your hearts, always be ready to give an answer 
to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. What do you say? Put Jesus first in your life and be ready to tell people when they walk up to you and say, what is it about you? You're in the same mess I'm in, but it doesn't seem to bother you. You got the same problems in your family I get in mine, but there seems to be a quietness about you. You're in the same crazy nation I'm in, but you're not sitting around and whining. You, you just act like you're glad to be alive. What's different about you? Can you see where the Bible said people should be walking up to you saying, what is it you got? And what do he tell you to do? Be ready. Yeah. Be ready with your answer. Be ready to tell them. Well, I go to Brother Brian's church and he told us we have to be like this. So if we're going to be out in public, we've got, to, we've got some sense. That's not the right answer. My name don't need to come up at all. You need to tell them. Listen, you ever heard of witnessing? Yeah. Witnessing is not to explain the Apocrypha. Let me tell you what witnessing, witnessing is. Witnessing is. I was lost and my life's a mess. I met Jesus. It's different now. That's witnessing. Eyewitness news. Could you tell us what you saw? That's a witness. So, well, that's not my story. Let's meet Jesus and get you a story. Let's get you on the road here, Bubba. What does the Bible say? People should be walking up to you saying, what is it about you? You say, I don't want nobody watching me. You just missed it a mile and a half. He birthed you so people could watch you. Right. A lot of people don't say, well, I don't, I'm not a, what's the Barkley, Mr. Barkley, Mr. Barkley, the round brown mound of rebound. He said, I don't know about watching me. Let me tell you something. God wants people watching you. Yep. He strategically placed you so people could watch you. And it's you said, man, this sounds hard. It's not hard. It's Christ in you to hope of glory. Yes. All you got to do is get oil in your lamp and let it shine. And then you need to be ready and give an answer to such Jesus. Just keep it simple. Listen to me carefully. Don't muddy the waters, friends. Keep it simple. Yeah. All right, I'm going to refer you. We're not going to look at it, but I'm going to refer you. John chapter 9, there was a man. He was blind. Jesus healed him. Amen. Matter of fact, he spit in mud and put the mud and the spit in his eyes. It healed him. I wouldn't care as long as I could see. I don't care how he does it. And uh, so they took him to the preachers, took him to the Pharisees, and they said, tell us what happened. He said, I used to be blind. <laughs> Jesus came and touched my eyes. Now I can see. That's a good testimony right there. He should have stuck with it. And uh, they kept asking me, kept telling him. And finally they asked him the fourth time. And he said, why do you keep asking me? You want to be his disciples? He shouldn't have said that. And then he said, I think he's a teacher. He shouldn't have said that neither. All he needed to say was, I used to be blind. Jesus did something for me. And now I can see clear as day. And they fussed at me and he said, "You, you think a man can open people's eyes? You don't think something good about him? Listen to me. Break with the deep stuff. Break with the trying to explain when the moon's in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars. You don't know what you're talking about. Just tell them, I was empty on the inside. Jesus came and he's given me life. Keep it so simple a child can understand it. Amen. Y'all know what a preacher is? That's somebody who takes the great truths of God and makes them so complicated nobody can figure out what he's talking about. Jesus took the great truths of the universe made them so simple a child can understand them. Then was keep your testimony simple and just let it shine. Go to work tomorrow, just stand up here and just say, Y'all watch me. You ain't got to say it. Listen, light attracts. All righty. Let me, uh, now, now listen to me carefully. What is the thing they're supposed to see? Let's read it again. First Peter 3, 15. Put Jesus first in your life. Be ready to give a defense for everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. Can people see hope? What are people seeing today? I said, Brother, how can anybody have hope in a day like this? You look right here. 
I'm going to live a fruitful life. I'm going to work in this earth. I'm going to love Jesus. He's going to bless me. He's going to bless my family. And then when I get older, I'm going to croak. I'm going straight to glory. That's hope right there. Hope is the future expectation of good. Every believer should have hope. And you know, people can see hope. Let me tell you what I'm seeing in the land today. Hopelessness. People losing hope. I say, Brother Brian, it's rough. Let me make an announcement. My Savior is bigger than anything going on on this planet. His promises are bigger than the stupidity covering the land right now. The problem is not with our Savior. The problem is with our focus. So I wrote this song the other night. You'll like it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the goofy things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Get your eyes off the news and get them on Jesus. Shine. Be filled with hope again. All right, let me give you a prophetic passage. I said one more. Can we do one more? We got time. Methodist ain't out yet. Turn me to Isaiah chapter 60. I think that prophetic voices across the land agree. This is what's going on in the earth right now. I got to get you out of this notion that things are going to get better if I'll just whine loud enough. You need to break with that stuff. Dear ones, Jesus is coming back and I am so more thrilled. Wouldn't bother me a bit if he came during the night tonight. Don't worry about it. We got some deacons going to take care of the service Sunday if I'm not here. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that, should I? No, sir. My deacon's here going with me. We're going to have a grand time. We're going to fish together in glory. All right, Isaiah chapter 60. This is the prophetic word of God. Now, you've got, Isaiah is a prophetic book. You understand that, don't you? All right, listen. Let me tell you something about Isaiah. It is the most powerful prophetic book in the Bible in the Old Testament. Isaiah is a mini picture of the whole Bible. The whole Bible has 66 books in it. 39 Old Testament, the law, 27 New Testament, grace. Isaiah has 66 chapters in it. The first 39 chapters deal with law. The last 27 chapters deal with grace. Just as the latter part of the Bible, Revelation, deals with what's coming in the future, the last few chapters of Isaiah deal with what's coming in the future. And this is one of the future prophecies. And I'm hearing prophetic voices across the land saying this is what God's saying right now about what's happening in there. See if you can see this. Isaiah 60. Arise and whine. Are you surprised how many times the word shines in the Bible? Arise and shine because your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The Spirit of God is the light of the world. Things be on you. Now watch this prophetic word. Darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. How many think that's going to happen? We're living in this day right now. I hear experts all the time talking about what, what do you think's wrong in the earth? There's the answer right there. It is spiritual darkness in the hearts of men. People are complaining because crime's getting out of control. <laughs> it's not your environment, it's your heart. Mm-hmm. People are, are complaining because education's getting out of control. Dear ones, darkness is covering the earth, deep darkness the people. We know that. He told you it was coming. But watch this. Verse 2, behold, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness. But the Lord will arise over you and his what? His glory will be seen on you. Can you see clearly that you're in the middle of a dark place? People are in darkness, but the glory of God's all over you and they can see it. Let me ask you a question. Why should I have to live through such dark days? I'm glad you asked. He's fixing to tell you. Darkness will cover the earth. The glory of the Lord will be seen on you. Here's the answer. Verse three, Gentiles shall come to your light kings to your shining. Let me ask you a question. Are Gentiles going to come to your whining? 
you start whining and moaning about how bad it is, everybody's going to say, I wish I had what you got. They got that. All right, here's the prophetic picture. We're living in a day where darkness is going to cover the earth. These are the latter days. It's going to get worse, but the glory of God's going to be on you. The Spirit of God's going to light your heart up and you're going to glow in the dark. You're going to shine in the dark. Why do I have to be here? What's the answer? We have got to quit thinking about me. I'm going to put it as blunt as I can put it. The worst thing that can happen to me is to die and go see Jesus. Like I ain't waiting for it all the time anyway. There's the worst thing that can happen to me to be to die and go see Jesus. I'm an old man anyway. Then lived out my life. Let's go to glory. Well, I'm not quite finished yet. All right. What's the worst thing that can happen to my neighbor? He dies and spends eternity in a Christless hell. Listen, listen to me. We got to quit thinking me and my comfort. We got to get to thinking people need the Lord. People need help. The, listen, the answer today is not Republican or Democrat. Can I get a witness? Both of you had a chance. Both of you screwed it up. The answer is not Capitol Hill. It's Calvary's Hill. The only hope of this world is Jesus. The only hope of eternity is Jesus. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world? but lose his own soul. We have got to start thinking big picture. It's not about my comfort on the way to glory. We have got to start thinking outside the walls again and say, listen, Jesus could easily beam me up right now. Come on, Scotty. There I go. Straight up, straight to glory. What's the only thing I'd have left on this earth to do? What's the only thing I'm down here for? To influence people. And uh, he said, I destined you to live in, God created you to live in a dark time. You're here for such a time as this. Quit whining about it being dark. He told you it's coming. What's my job? Whine or shine? Shine. I'm not taking everybody with me, but I'm going to get me up a a boatload, bless God. We're going to get some to go. How many is his business? But let me make an announcement. If I spend the rest of my life hollering Jesus and shining and preaching in truck stops and going in gas stations and carrying on, if I don't get but one, it is well worth the trip. What if it was your daughter? What if it was your son? Your mama. It'd be well worth it, wouldn't it? I just want somebody to go with me now. I done secured my ticket. I'm trying to get me up a big old boatload of them. All right. The Bible said it's going to happen. It's going to be there. Um, I got to do one more. Can I do one more? I'll make it quick. That's a lie. Turn me to Luke chapter 15. All right. Let me just shoot religion in the foot. I need to fuss at religion a little bit before we leave here. Anybody heard of a man named Jesus? The goal, there was the goal is not to become like anybody except Jesus. I'm going to show you one of the strangest verses in the Bible. And it should alter the way we think about everything. It's a verse about preachers fussing about Jesus. I mean, no preacher shouldn't complain about Jesus. He can do what he wants to do. I, always, I read this the first time and I said, this is one of the weirdest verses in the Bible. This is, you just wouldn't think like this, but here it is. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. All the tax collectors and all the sinners drew near to Jesus to listen to him. That don't strike you as weird. Jesus is in this town. Every hooker, every dope dealer, if they dealt dope back then, I guess, I don't know. They probably smoked hemp. We ain't discovered nothing new. Every con man, every liar, every adulterer, every thief, they were running over each other to get close to Jesus. Ain't that weird to y'all? I thought people ran from God. In the Bible, they run to him. All of them drew near to him. And guess what they were saying? Talk to us. Talk to us. Just talk to us. Can you see the picture here? He's sitting at Hooters. I told you he's at Hooters. 
or somewhere, some cafe outdoor, something like that. And people, there's a crowd around him and they're elbowing each other to get to him. I want, I want to hear what he's got to say. There is something magnetic about Jesus. That's right. So yes, Christians love him. These aren't Christians. These are the sinners. He said, well, times sure have changed. Look right here. No, they hadn't. Listen, people ain't changed a bit in 6,000 years. Technology's changed. Clothes have changed. The human heart's never changed. People are always the same. People still want to see Jesus. They still want to hear what he's got to say. They say, well, how come they run from me? You really want to answer? You sure you want to answer? My experience has been that people run from religious people. You act religious around me, all you're going to see is heels and elbows. I found that some of the most evil perverts in the world, when you show them Jesus at heart level, something is drawn to him. The church hadn't shown people Jesus. They've shown them a bunch of religious crap and I don't blame them for running. But I don't care what the church does. I'm one man. We used to sing it. You notice how old people are hung up on old songs. You ever notice that? Some of them pretty good though. One went like this. Do others see Jesus in you? Do others see Jesus in you? <laughs> Man, can you imagine the privilege of letting somebody that's fixing to bust hell wide open or their lives are so screwed up, they've tried everything there is to try and they look at you and they say, there's something about them. There's something about them. And don't screw it up. <laughs> don't try to explain it. Just shine. Let the love of God shine through. Listen, there's nothing that is more fun than having people do that. I, I'll just give you an example. There was, we got a break. If people could see the difference between Jesus and religious garbage. Can I give you an example? I'm going to give you one example. I'll be done in a little while. I'm going to quit telling you I'm finished. I ain't. I'll be done in a little while. I went to work as, as a chaplain for our sheriff's department. I love them law enforcement guys. Don't mess with my deputies and my policemen. I love them guys. Went to work down there and the chief deputy asked me, he said, I want you to ride with different guys. About an hour or so every once in a while, I just ride with them. And he said, you know what to do? And I said, well, I'd love to, I'd love to do that. So I went up there one night and the, the sergeant, he had his guys in there. I said, I'm, I was sitting in a room talking to the sergeant. He said, you're going to ride with so-and-so. He's in the deputy room. So I'm going to tell him. Well, he went there and he told him, he said, the chaplain's going to ride with you. He didn't know I was in there. And I heard him, can I tell you what he said? All right, you asked for it. He said, I'm going to damn preacher in my car. Well, I heard that and I thought, this is going to be fun right here. <laughs> I like this. And then Sar Sergeant said to him, well, he's riding with you whether you like it or not. I didn't tell you what he said after that. And he, so after a little bit, he came in there and he said, you the preacher? I said, that's me. He said, come on. So we go out there, got in the car. It's a little cool to start with. Uh, you sort of, you know, it's sort of like a first date. I had to sort of break the ice there. <laughs> we rode for two hours. We got back to the, he's dropped me back off at the sheriff's office there. Brother Sheriff's got it. He said, listen, you come ride with me anytime. So I'd love to have you. We were best friends after that. Every time I said, when you'll come ride with me. Now, you know, I didn't get in there saying, now, don't you know you were sinner and you were in trouble? Yeah, that'd have done real good, wouldn't it? You know what I did? I just loved him. I asked him about his family and gave him somebody to talk to. And we're, we're good buddies this day. Matter of fact, he goes to this church right here. Now, listen to me. Please don't show them religion. I've had all I can stand. The world sees Jesus. The Bible said they're drawn to it. And the world, they were drawn to Jesus here. Now, all right, let me have a little fun real quick before we go. All the tax collector sinners drew near to Jesus. They still do. And the ministers complained. See there? Ministers complaining. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Actually 
eats with them. Let me make an announcement. I'll go to Hooters in a heartbeat if I think I can talk to somebody. I saw where a preacher, I forget the name of the church. He, he, my aunt was going to his church. He got fired for going to Hooters. I said, we'll find you a place at our church. Come on over here. Well, he wasn't going to look at the Hooters. He was going over to preach what he was going to do. And uh, I go tell you my story. I just some go in. Matter of fact, I am more comfortable in a bar than I am most churches. Can I get a witness? I said, well, you would be. Yeah, praise God. Just like Jesus. Don't be like, listen, here's, my, here's what I want to say out of that. Don't be like preachers. Be like Jesus. Don't complain. Go find you a bunch of sinners and say, can I sit right in the middle of y'all? Can I get right in the middle of y'all? Jesus spent his life right in the middle of sinners. Let me make an announcement. They didn't change him. He changed them. I don't, he said, I don't know if I'm that strong or not. You look right here. Look right here. The spirit of God lives inside of you. The same spirit that was inside Jesus is inside of you. You can do it. It's not your strength. I'm, I'm telling you, you carry the living God inside of you. When has darkness ever run from, I mean, when's light ever run from darkness? You're the light of, listen, I'm not trying to be the light of the world. That man said I am. He's in there. You'd be surprised what's inside of you if Jesus is in there. Just turn him loose. Just get in there and get right in the middle of the biggest bunch of sinners you can find and say, "Mm, go ahead. (laughs) Cut it loose. (laughs) Love on them, sir. Just, Just sit there and shine and just enjoy yourself. I love to get in situations where people are nervous when they find out I'm a preacher. You know, I get invited to stuff to go different stuff and this one, he's, he's a preacher, he's a preacher. I love that kind of stuff. This is my place right here. I just love that kind of stuff. You know, we got to have a mindset that says, I'm going to quit whining about what's going on in the society and I'm going to start. You're going to be a whiner, you're going to be a shiner. Final word, I promise, maybe. I got too many Christians acting like thermometers. Pretty obvious from this word, God called them to be thermostats. A thermometer measures the temperature in a room. A thermostat changes the temperature in the room. You and this earth to change the temperature. And let me tell you something. Look right, everybody look right here. We turn right at me. Look right here. Again. You can do it. You can do it. You have no idea the influence you could have. And let me tell you how my king is. Let me tell you what he'll do to you. The very one you think you're trying to influence... I thought it was supposed to be a trumpet. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. The very one you're trying to influence, you'll be trying to influence that one. It won't be that one. It'll be this one over here you didn't even notice. All you got to do is just shine. He knows what to do. You just shine your light wherever you go and have a big time. All right. If you're working in a place that's all Christians, get out of there. Go find you a bunch of perverts and apply for the job. If you're in a good Christian family, tell them you'll come see them at Thanksgiving. Get out of there. Go find you some weirdo nuthead and get in the middle of the thing. Start to say, if you go to a normal church, get out of there. You're okay in church. We'll shine down here too. Why would I take all my flashlights up, turn them on and put them in the glove box? That's good to go to church, get encouraged. Church is not the goal of a believer. A pagan world is the goal of a believer. Let's get out there and have some fun. I, I'm going to tell you one more thing. My, look here. My Bible's closing. That means we're getting to the end. I know what I'm thinking. You ever heard of Arthur Blessed? Arthur Blessed is the man in the Guinness Book of World Records. He holds the world record for taking more steps than any human ever lived. He's walked more miles than any man that ever lived. 
Arthur was a young man. He took a cross, 12-foot cross, put it on his shoulder. He's walked across every country on the globe. Arthur's walked thousands and thousands of miles. And I was going to a convention in Dallas, Texas years ago, a James Robinson Bible Conference, about 5,000 people there. And we're in that thing, and Arthur Blessed was going to be there that afternoon. He was going to speak. And uh, he's one of them weirdo, hippie-type preachers. Not very polished, didn't go to school. You don't know what he's going to do. So James introduced Please welcome Arthur Blessing. Arthur walks out, had that cross, and he set that cross down, looked out there, and he said, uh, got up there, and he said, how many of y'all are preachers? Well, that was about half of us. He said, ain't no need me telling y'all nothing. Y'all don't need to learn nothing else. He said, y'all have heard everything you need to hear. He said, everybody follow me. It was rush hour almost in downtown Dallas, Texas. We at the convention center. He said, why are we in here talking to y'all? You done heard it all. They ain't heard nothing. Everybody follow me. Let's go out that door. We're going to saturate downtown Dallas. And I want you to preach to them instead of me preaching to you. He picked up his cross, walked out the door. Whole crowd got up and followed him out there. And we just baptized Dallas. Shut the traffic down out there downtown. Everybody preaching to everybody. Now, doesn't that make sense to you? He said, you all in flashlights in the glove box all by themselves there. He said, you're the light of the world. Let's go. I wish we was downtown in church. I'd just say, good to have you with us this morning. Everybody follow me. Out the door we'd go. Have a big time. We got to get this mindset out of us that I'm going to sit here and complain until Jesus gets back. You're going to wish you had when he gets back. Mm, Get out there and shine. I authorize you to go wherever you want to go. Go to any saloon in town. Just help. Make sure you go for the right reason. We're going to shine, not in bib. Help yourself. All right. Dear Jesus, I just want to tell you I love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness. You have so, this, you bear this into my heart so much. What are my people doing whining? Why are they complaining? Why are they hiding? When I walked on this earth, I plopped myself down right in the middle of every center I could find and I loved them and I smiled at them and I gave them hope and I influenced them. We need to change the way we think in this place. I want to thank you and praise you for your goodness and your glory. Lord Jesus, I'm not going to change the culture. I can't even get my dog to behave. But I can get in the middle of it and I'm going to shine. I I love this kind of stuff. Lord Jesus, I love this kind of stuff. I pray in Jesus' name, I'm trusting you. Run me up against every pervert in the county. Everybody that's messed up, everybody that's goofed up. Put me in a place. I want to sense those divine connections. Right place, right time. I won't run and I won't whine. I'll just shine. I just love to be around lost people who are hurting and suffering and they've tried everything in the world and it ain't working and they've made every excuse you can make. It ain't right. You are the hope of humanity. You're the only answer left. Now thank you and praise you. Your word said in 2 Peter 3, the only reason you hadn't come back yet is because the Lord is gracious and he's patient and he's long-suffering, not desiring that any should perish but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. Only reason you're not coming back is because these, these folks need to hear your name. They know the truth. Well, turn this church loose, dear Jesus. We, gracious knows. I don't know what else we need to learn. We do enjoy hearing your word over and over. But dear Jesus, wherever people that I pray for them in their workplace this week, I, I pray they'd see that God put me here. I'm placed here. The families, the neighborhoods, the clubs they're in, the stores they go to, the gas stations, God put me here. And dear Jesus, I pray they don't preach and fuss till they shine first. I got to win your heart before I can win your ear. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen.